Blog Talk Radio. figure out whether we could make it better and there was a lot of disillusionment a lot of people thought we couldn't and then Jesus showed up and uh, we called it the Jesus movement and things changed dramatically maybe not politically but they changed in people's hearts and minds and uh, people a lot of people have been following Jesus ever since and uh, I'm just one of those old Jesus guys who have stayed that way um, all my life, and uh, I have this uh, catch of the day. It's called The Catch, and you can sign up for it at catchjohnfisher.com, and you'll get uh, something fresh from me every morning. I write it every day, five days a week, and we're doing actually some, I'm doing some Advent writing right now. We're writing about Christmas as we're getting ready for the season. And uh, we've got, that's just one small thing we do. We've got all kinds of things going on. We have a prayer ministry going on. We have uh, training sessions. We've, we've got study materials. Um, and then, of course, we got the blog talk radio every Tuesday night. And uh, because of that, we've got a, way, a great backlog of incredible shows and amazing guests. Um, you, can, you can go back there and you can find Oz Guinness and Tony Campo and um, people, uh, Frank Schaefer, uh, it's uh, really been fun to uh, get some pretty well-known people and then some not-so-well-known people, some people I don't even know who've been recommended uh, that I've had the chance to meet. But most of all, I like to tell, uh, I usually tell everybody, this is this is a fun time for me. This is a fun hour for me because I feel like I get to share some of my favorite people with uh with with my group which uh, those of you who are following the catch I get to share these people with you and um they're people I've been privileged to get to know over the years and I I had this great fantasy that we're going to all sit around a stone fireplace somewhere and we're just going to talk and spend the whole weekend you know and uh but I guess that's heaven um that's the, I'm sure they got a stone fireplace in heaven and we're going to sit there and talk. But right now, I get to talk every Tuesday night with somebody um, I want you to meet. So tonight, let's get right down to it. A, a guest who um, I met uh, during the time when I was doing a lot of traveling in the beginning, doing my, my music, and uh, later speaking in uh, in the Christian colleges. And uh, our guest was a dean at Laterno College, where I was at a number of times, still go back. And then he was president at what time was Southwestern University, mm-hmm. and now it's um, now it's uh, Arizona Christian University. You got it. And uh, is that right, Brent? This is uh, welcome, yep. Brent Garrison, folks. Well, thank you, and, John. Uh, and we do go way yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know what? I had forgotten, Brent, that you were at Laterno. Yeah, so, uh, uh, I was at Laterno that, 78 to 84, and then I went to Moody, John, for 11 years uh, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So where where did I first meet you? Do you remember? Was it was yeah, it Laterno? Oh, yeah. Would it have been I, Laterno? I, yeah, I, I vividly remember. Uh, I was dean of students at Laterno, and uh, I had yeah. the responsibility of signing up uh, special speakers. And you spoke at Ringgold, Louisiana, at the Bible Memory Camp there with uh, our students. Oh, oh yeah. Seventy nine, seventy nine wow. or eighty, I think. <laughs> Woo, man! Yeah, we're getting old, John. Jeez, <laughs> that's incredible. Well, yeah. then, then you you've been at Moody too, and of course I've been there a number of times, and uh, 
you know, a lot of our listeners might not know that about a, a third of my travel, when I when I was traveling more than I am now, about a third of it was spent in Christian colleges. And so I'm very familiar with the Christian college, and I really wanted to talk about that for a little bit because, uh, uh, Brent, you've got kind of looks like two two parts of your career. And there, that, that first part was, was in Christian higher education. And then now you're working with CEOs. We'll get into that a little bit later. But for, for I think, something like 32 years, you were in Christian higher education. Primarily, I'm interested in the fact that you were president of um, what is now Arizona Christian College for, what, 16 years? Is that right? Yeah, uh, 15. Yeah. 15. 15. Yeah, don't make years. it any longer than it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, John, so, basically college presidents uh, at private colleges are fundraisers, so uh, it, it's not that yeah. glorious of a job. <laughs> well, I sure enjoyed you when you were there, and and I enjoyed that you – I enjoyed that you – I think we connected, and I think you you had a heart for what I was doing. And I, I that's always – I always feel good when somebody – is bringing me in not not because uh you know I oh well this is John Fisher he's got a bunch of records or something like that but no you're bringing me in because you know what I'm what I'm going to teach your students and and you want them to be exposed to that and and that that is really really encouraging and um so I I wanted to just talk about that with all those years in Christian Christian colleges are, are a real anomaly you know they're there uh, and of course we've got we've got Christian uh, day school and Christian regular schools, grammar schools, high schools, and then all of, you can you can do the whole thing um, all in a Christian environment. There, what 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 do you think, Brent? Are some of the well? Let's start about the 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 best things. What are some of the strengths of of a Christian education, a Christian higher education, especially? What would you say well, some of the yeah, and, and I think we I think we need to set it up with a little bit of history uh, in in colleges okay. in, in America, particularly. I mean, uh, probably most of your listeners realize that uh, the Ivy League schools were started by uh, faith uh, groups, uh, be it Baptists or, mm-hmm. or Congregationalist or Presbyterian. So you know, the Princetons and Harvards and and, and Yales and others were started by uh, people of faith and. And over a, a period of time, they became what we call liberal or secular, and uh, that's that's why there was the raise, the rising up of other colleges that kind of take the place of the original mission of these schools in America. So that that's kind of the the conundrum we're in, the the, the worldview fight. But I do think oh. there are a lot of uh, there are there are a lot of advantages to to Christian higher ed and. And then we will talk about some of the very significant negative ones too. But, but I, I just wrote down a couple here, John. Uh, hopefully, this mm-hmm. kind of yeah. answers your question. I, I would I would regularly share with with faculty um, in my role uh, the the wonderful passage out of Luke chapter six verse forty. When a student is fully trained, he becomes like his teacher. And so I I think that's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, that's, that's a number one to me as a parent. Uh, I want my kids, and I have four children and five grandkids. Uh, I want my kids to be around people of faith, uh, also of intellect and of character mm-hmm. and virtue. And I think there's a stronger likelihood of mm-hmm. a kid being exposed to that kind of faculty in a Christian university rather than uh, a secular one. So, again, that's huge. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, uh, this is an incredible time in a student's, in a young person's life. And, John, again, you, mm-hmm. you've given many decades to this, but it's a time when they make um, career decisions, they make life partner decisions, and I, probably most important, they, they literally are making faith their own at this time, because now they're underneath the, the role of mom and dad, they're on their own, they're growing up, they're, they're, they're thinking on their own, they're being exposed to a number of different concepts and ideas. Um, parents can't control them as much anymore. So again, uh, the the role of a Christian university is is very critical there because uh, parents, for the most part, can can at least feel better, not completely trust, but feel better about what they're going to be exposed to uh, at a Christian school rather than a secular mm-hmm. school. Because and, and and John, I think you'd agree with this. Um, 
even the public schools have have dramatically changed in the last thirty years from what they were mm-hmm. when we were. I, I went I went to Indiana University, uh, nineteen seventy uh, to seventy five. So it's a completely different place than it was in nineteen seventy. So uh, that's another yeah. one very critical time in life. Um, this is another one that uh, I'm sure you've thought of, but probably our, our listeners haven't. I think, frankly, there's greater academic freedom in a Christian university than in a secular university today. Hmm. And, and, wow. and I could give an example of that. Uh, because at a Christian school, we will talk about everything. Nothing's off the table. Where at a secular school, everything's pretty much in lockstep. In fact, we've all heard of stories where a student maybe writes something in a, a blue book or a paper that doesn't go along with the the uh, the liberal uh, mindset uh, or view, and they're they're uh, you know uh, disciplined for it, or the grade is not uh, given to them that it should be. Where at Christian universities, I felt there was always an openness to talk about all ideas. Now, yeah, we'd come down on the Christian uh, front, but there was an openness to talk about them at least. So hmm. anyway, do you, do you want to take a minute that I can share a, a dramatic example of this, or, or don't we have time to do that? No, please on, do. Uh, academic freedom. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, some years ago, I was uh, I was chairing a, a, an accrediting team visit to a school in Southern California. It was a Christian university. It was trying to get WACS uh, accreditation, which is the regional accreditation in uh, California. And so there was our team, a Christian group, and then there was a team from WACS, which uh, was um, – there also to validate their move toward accreditation, regional accreditation. So mm-hmm. after a day together, the two teams get together to talk about the day of interviews and everything else. And and so the the other group, the other team said, wow, I can't believe the lack of academic freedom at this school and blah, 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 blah. Well, I listened to enough of that until I got sick of it. I finally said, okay, let me ask you this. What if I was teaching science in your university? Would you permit me as a Ph.D. scientist to teach all cosmological views of the origin of the universe? Or are you going to only insist that I talk about the naturalist view? Well, that was the end of that conversation, quite frankly, because they <laughs> knew that was a checkmate. And we even hmm. talked about it, because that is true. You know, you're not going to talk about the possibility of God created, or ID, or intelligent design, for example. So that was a real, mm-hmm. real uh, example mm. to this type of thing uh, from my career. Wow. Um, I think, I think too, another one here um, is it helps answer the four big questions of life. And um, everybody's got to answer these, um, uh, John. It's, um, you know, it's absolutely critical that whether you're a person of faith or not, that you at least have some perspective of the, the four big questions of origin, where did I come from, purpose, why am I here, values, what will I value in my life? And then finally, destiny. Where will I go after I die? And and I think that's another critical role that a Christian university can play in, in helping give a biblical perspective of those four questions. And how are those <laughs> things going to be answered in a secular context? You know, you're an animal. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> so I think yeah. I think those are hitting some of the big ones, if, if I could suggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you just pulled out all the questions. My my favorite question is out of Blade Runner. <laughs> Where can we come from? Where are we going? And how long have we got? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Well, you know that's interesting that you say that uh, the the Christian college is more open. I yeah. I'm not sure. Well, I think I think Christian colleges that you were in charge of maybe, but I I wonder about everybody. Now, let me let me. Oh, oh that that would be true. There would be some that would be very narrow-minded. Yeah, yeah. Or or here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if in a Christian college we're going to study Islam, um, we would have. Uh, there are a lot of Christians that would not have uh, a devout Muslim come and talk to their students. They would probably yeah. have a a a, a a Muslim who had converted to Christianity would then come and talk to their students. Yeah, that, that's you know, that's I, probably that's I, probably to, true. To me, uh, I, I wouldn't have I any problem honest. with that, and you wouldn't either, with uh, with right. having a Muslim come in and share. 
Yeah, that's that's what I I think separates some. I could almost separate schools by yeah. the ones, yeah. you know, the ones who would allow would 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 welcome, you know, or mm-hmm. welcome the homosexual to come in and speak and yeah. uh, about gay issues, or, or welcome yeah. the you know the person who is. Uh, you know, for abortions and, and talk openly in the school and let's, let's, let's expose ourselves to this and, and not, not just someone who has changed, but who are mm-hmm. in, you know, set in that yep. position so that we, otherwise, how are we going to function in the real world if, if we don't know what these people are saying, you know, and, well, how, and John, how do you, we you, talk with You've hit the mm-hmm. great weakness of a Christian university and that's that if it, it can be a greenhouse, uh, where yeah. everyone is kind of believing the same thing, but but uh, again, I, that that's another topic too. You know, we'll talk about those weaknesses in a minute. But I, I think you're right. Um, I, I'm with you though. I, I always felt like if if the if the faith that we have so enjoyed and been honored to be part of doesn't have the power and and authority to be able to stand up against other worldviews, other ideas, then we've got a weak faith. Uh, our faith is a strong. Mm-hmm. It, it is a defendable faith. It is a apologetic based faith. It's not just feelings and, and things. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I wouldn't have any problem with having those people come in and be yeah. exposed to us. <laughs> Do you so. think? Uh, here's a question. I, now this may not. Of course, you, you know, you 15 years, you saw things shift a lot during that time. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. But oh, would yeah. you say? Over the bulk of the time, would you say that the faculty was generally more open-minded than the students, or the other way around? What would you say? Generally, it's a very well, general question. It, it, yeah, that that is, and I, it, frankly, I haven't given much thought to it. I, so this is just going to be an off-the-cuff uh, cons- uh, uh, answer. Yeah, to I that. agree. This one. I I, th- <laughs> I think again because the, the 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 students coming in today compared to thirty years ago has shifted so dramatically. And one mm-hmm. one example, uh, the student that's coming into a Christian college today thinks nothing of the homosexual issue. They they, they think it's stupid mm-hmm. that we even have a a discussion about it. It's settled in their minds. Mm-hmm. Thirty years ago, that was not the case. So so that's just one illustration. So that that the faculty are the, that are there today, for the most part, still would adhere to a a biblical worldview of of sexuality, mm-hmm. where where the students mm-hmm. coming in. So. There's one example. I, I think that's probably true in other areas, too. So to answer it, I, I think generally the, the students would be more open-minded than the faculty. Uh, also, John, let's face it, uh, we're in our 60s. Uh, at least I think you are. You're older mm-hmm. than me. I think. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, and, I'm, I'm and, and I think as we get older, we, we change, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get some mileage on the odometer, and what we thought we had figured <laughs> out, 25 years ago, we're, we're, we're saying, well, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, we become more definitive in some areas and maybe a little bit more open-minded in other areas as we grow other. older. So, to, that's yeah. right. That's, yeah, yeah, that's so true. At least that's my case. Um, that's, a, that's my situation. What do you think? Uh, okay, we already touched upon this, but uh, what, what, we, what do you think are some of the weaknesses of, of a, a Christian college? <sighs> yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not a um, it's not a real life situation. Let's face it. It's it's not the crucible mm. of life. It's it is uh, protective, and again, that's why parents uh, often like it because they feel at least mm-hmm. there's a few more years of protection for Johnny and Mary. Uh, in reality, mm-hmm. though, again, that's changed dramatically over the last 30 years. <laughs> we yeah. are uh, Christian colleges are very mm-hmm. much uh, secular uh, in in many ways. Uh, again, compared to the rest of the world, not so much. But so it's not a real life situation. It's it's somewhat uh, unrealistic. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you know what? I I don't think Christian universities or colleges are for every young person. I, I think if you have a son or daughter right. that really are strong in their faith, they've got it. I mean, they thrive in a um, uh, an environment where they're being questioned about their faith, and they do well. I think they. Mm-hmm. I think it's a disservice to send them to a Christian school. But mm-hmm. many, many. Uh, in fact, what typically happens is most of the time is the kid goes to, to secular or a public school from K to to, to uh, high school, and then the parent wants them to be grounded in a in a college, a Christian college. 
I think it ought to be the other way around. I think that maybe if you're going to do Christian school, you ought to do it K through 12 and then put them into the the, the, the public arena, uh, having mm. prepared them apologetically wise, uh, reading out yeah. Guinness and, and uh, you know uh, C.S. Lewis yeah. and others, uh, preparing them, and then say, hey, go on out there, start living your faith and, and talking about your faith and defending your faith. So that's mm-hmm. one. And then the other thing is, is you mentioned it in your notes to me, the complacency issue. I I, I do think there is an issue of com, uh, Christian complacency. Well, I'm living with Christians. I have Christian teachers. Right. You kind of let your guard down a little bit, and mm-hmm. and the the faith uh, becomes less. Uh, uh, in, in fact, I went to, when I went to cemetery, we kidded with one another. We're, we're at cemetery. <laughs> You've heard that before. You know where you, yeah. you're studying the Bible all the time. You're talking about theological <laughs> issues. Well, all of a sudden. It becomes a text uh, or an academic subject rather than a relationship. So right. that can happen too. Um, and, and again, the, the other reality is, is, is just because it's a Christian university doesn't mean that uh, it, it's it's a panacea. It, it's certainly not. It's it reflects the culture in, in every sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So for parent, don't think this is a panacea. It's 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 going to reflect the culture. Um, yeah. You can't yeah. protect your, your child forever. But it, but it and is you're probably, true. And add, add to that list, John. Add to that list, though. You, yeah. you probably have, have seen, because you've been in so many different schools, you've probably got a, a better perspective than even I do. Well, I, I think the whole idea of, of the fact that most everybody is a Christian um, really, really weakens individual faith. I think yeah. there, there's, some, there's something about, you know, corporate faith, which is good. We get together in chapel and we feel something really good, you know, together. But no one really, like you say, no one is really being questioned. No one has to really have their own relationship with God. There's so much that's assumed. Everybody is assumed that they had their devotions today. Everybody is assumed they're praying all the time and every, all of that. And, 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 you know, to a large part, many of them aren't even bothering at all with their spiritual life. So they're, they're basically kind of being spiritual by osmosis um, and thinking yep. they're around it all the time. And, and I, I think there's a pretty high rate of, of kids uh, losing their faith when they get out of a Christian college. Um, I think the, I've heard some statistics. I don't know what the current ones are, but, but you know, I always say, well, if you if you lost it when you left the Christian college, I would say you probably never had it. That was the, that's the problem, you know. Yeah, yeah. You you never had you never owned it. It was never yours. And to me, that is the struggle at a at a Christian college to make your faith your own and not just kind of glide along with everybody else. Yeah, I agree. In fact, G.K. Chesterton's one of my favorite authors, uh, I, and I'm going to botch this quote, but uh, you know, it, it's not that the Christian faith has been tried and found wanting, but it's been tried and found uh, difficult. Uh, our faith mm-hmm. must be, our faith, our faith really typically only grows when it's it's in the crucible, when it's being challenged. Um, you know, the other night, uh, I have a neighbor who's a young guy, uh, IT specialist, works out of his home, like I, as I do in, in Phoenix, and. He texted me the other night and he said, uh, "He said, Brent, uh, you, you want to have a beer with me?" And I said, "Yeah, uh, let's meet out in my garage. I have kind of a little man cave out in my garage." And, and mm-hmm. so he came over, and uh, it was a wonderful time because I realized uh, I need more of that interaction with people who who are not believers to keep right. my my sword sharp. And uh, and uh, it was it was a really wonderful evening, very energizing, and, yeah. and I trust mm-hmm. that that he was impacted because he he was able to see a man who had passion for his faith and had real answers for his questions. So that's mm-hmm. where that's mm-hmm. where our faith really begins to grow in, in the in the, the crucible of interacting with other people. Yeah, and I think um, you know I I think at that's in a way that's another problem at a Christian college is that we. We really don't. We end up not knowing how to talk to people. You know, yeah. we 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 talk to everybody who is already in our camp. But uh, what if they're not? How do you talk to them? And yeah. you know, we have this this 
idea, Christians for years have had this idea of how different we are. And mm-hmm. and that difference a lot of times is really an isolation from the world. And it's it's from you know, we're we're coded by all of our own stuff, what we do and don't do and the way we think and the way we believe and we're all similar in everything. We are we you know, we're all Republicans or whatever. And mm-hmm. and then then you get outside of that box and you go, Well, who are you? I mean, how do I even carry on a conversation with a person like this? I haven't learned that that actually I haven't learned the things that make me similar, the things that make me alike non-Christians. Yes. You know? Yes. I, 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 yeah. We were always trying to be different. And I say, hey, hold it. It's time to start to be like non-Christians because that's how else are we going to bring them to the Lord if if we don't connect with them, if we don't see what we have in common, you know? And that's well, uh, John, we, we have yeah. a perfect example of that in Christ's life. I mean, he was criticized by the religious uh, aristocracy for interacting with sinners, and and, and he yep. came to, to seek and to save that which is lost. And that, that should be our role in life as well, is these precious people mm. that don't know Christ, their lives literally can be transformed by, by a relationship with Christ. I mean, our life has been transformed. So why would we mm-hmm. not want that for them as well? They're they're dealing with very challenging issues like where did I come from? What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. What do I value? And where am I going? And, <laughs> yeah. and what answers mm-hmm. is the world? What what answers is the world giving them? It's uh, the media and mm-hmm. pop culture is is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, wow, that's so true. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think the thing that the thing that brought us together, I think, would is is this whole idea of worldview. But I, I think that there's, you know, worldview in academic situations sometimes is different than uh, outside of that. Worldview is a huge term, and um, sure. it means different things to different folks. I, what do you? How would you define a, a, a person's worldview? Well, I, I like simple, John. I think yeah, simple right. really helps. So, you know, when you boil the Bible down to one topic, it's relationship. We were created to relate with our God. We blew it. He sent mm-hmm. his son that we might have a new relationship. If we boil if we boil the Ten Commandments down to one topic, it's stealing something, his day, the truth, somebody's mm-hmm. wife. I mean, it's simple, simple, simple. Worldview <laughs> is, therefore, what you believe. Mm. And, and what you believe mm. about the four questions of life. Where'd you come from? What's your purpose here on earth? What are you going to value? And where are you going to go? Every single person, how many billion are there now, John? 6.5 billion people. They all mm. have a worldview. And then those worldviews can be broken into to, to two uh, columns. There's a God, there's a deity, or there's no deity. Okay, now on the one column, if there is a God, how are you going to define that deity? What kind of a deity is he? Mm-hmm. Then you, you kind of subset that. But other than that, that's it. There's a God, or there's there's the, there's a deity, there's a supreme power, or there's nothing. I, I, I'm just natural. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a product of evolutionary chance. So that, that's what I like is simple. Everybody's got to deal with those four questions. And and so that's, that's worldview to me. Now, maybe that's too simple for, for you, but... That kind of works for me. No, that's cool. What, could you go over those questions one more time? Where did I come from? What do, what do I value? What are the what is that? Yeah, origin. Where did I where? come from? Uh, origin. Okay. And then purpose. Why am I here? Purpose. And then values. You know, because I may I may figure out my purpose, but but uh, values is living out a purpose. That's why that third that uh, three or four uh. values. And then finally, mm-hmm. destiny. You know, where do I go at the end of life? And uh, um, you, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know our listeners, uh, but but or, origin for for people of faith is is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Believe that God created. Mm-hmm. But you know mm-hmm. what? Most of the world doesn't believe that. And mm-hmm. and that's a huge one. If you don't start uh, with with the first one being answered correctly, every uh, the, the the other three are going to be answered incorrectly. Did, does that make sense? You got to start with yeah. an origin, and um, because then your purpose, and and the Westminster Catechism. What was it? The the, the chief end of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. you know, In, uh, real simple. 
to Love glorify God, God and to enjoy Him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So re- recognizing who He is, and then out of that recognition and relationship, I, I enjoy life at a much higher level because I have a relationship with the the, the one that created me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that, that's uh, you know that's a simple simple answer. Four questions; they've got to be answered. Everybody's answering them one way or another. Well, I like the way you're defining worldview because it cuts across um, religions and politics and all that stuff. You know, yeah. for for a lot of people, a lot of people think that worldview is um, us versus them. You know, it's what we believe as Christians versus what the world believes. And yeah, so I, I, Christian worldview, I, I really get worried. I get a little leery when Christians start talking about Christian worldview because I, I, a lot of times I'm afraid what they mean is Christian worldview is how we think as Christians, what we think is important, what we think matters, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and, and, uh, and, and not able to have a view that has God over all things and and has you know where you can find God as as much in the secondary university as you can in the christian one and yep. and uh you know so you i think I think a lot of Christians' worldview is a little small and uh oh absolutely what you're talking absolutely yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it encompasses every aspect of life. Uh, yeah. and, and the other thing I think we forget that everybody does have a worldview. We think sometimes as Christians we're the only ones that have a worldview. Well, that's that's not true. <laughs> everybody in the world yeah. has a, a view of how the world runs and, and how they're going to live their life. Now, you may not agree with that as a Christian. Uh, that's where the rub comes, John. And and I yeah. think the problem often is, is the church. And In fact, Dean Merrill, I don't know if you know that name, uh, used to work for Focus, but he wrote a wonderful little paperback that I have, I have taught from. I have read several times. The name of it is Christians. Excuse me, um, Christians in, uh, are sinners in the hands of an angry church. And not you know the old spinoff of the sinners in the hands of an angry yeah. God. No, sinners in the hands of an angry church. And the premise of Dean's book was. Church, why in the world do you look at the world the way you do? They're just being the world, yeah. for goodness sake. And so don't be <laughs> angry at them. Don't be upset with them. Don't be gnarly with yeah. them. Be gracious and, and, and merciful with them, because but, but by grace there go I. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that, mm-hmm. because I've tried to live that way. I don't want people to meet me and go, boy, that guy's gnarly. <laughs> I want them to yeah. be attracted to my love and my radiance of Christ and my my patience and you know they had all the attributes that Jesus had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of a of a bumper sticker I saw once that said, um, "I'm for the separation of church and hate." <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the same idea, isn't it? <laughs> isn't because I think that's one of the problems uh, yeah. that the world looks at the Christian uh, church and they, yeah. they think we're we're a bunch of haters and. And yet, yes, I disagree with your lifestyle, but I love you because you're precious in God's sight. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, yeah. I disagree with that, and that, but but that's not how I'm going to perceive you. I don't want you to perceive me as a hater of you. I want you to perceive mm-hmm. me as a lover who's trying to live his life in, in yeah. relationship to what he understands about his God. Now, that's my problem, not but, your problem. Yeah, and see, I, what I think, Brent, is that we can't, we can't be in a totally Christian environment with this wall between us and the world and no. say all these things about, well, we really do love those people over there. You know, mm-hmm. um, you have to get over the wall and get in relationship with them if you're going to love them. That, but you don't know what you're talking about otherwise. Don't you agree? Absolutely. In fact, uh, John, you probably remember the, the early church, one of the reasons it became uh, the, the sanctioned church in the Roman Empire uh, by the 4th century, it was because they, the, the early church was living out their faith in love. I mean, there are stories in church history where Christians stayed and cared for those in the plague. I mean, it was, it's crazy stuff, and people were impacted. Yeah because of the way they love people in dire circumstances. 
well, how in the world have we lost that today? And I think, yeah. therefore, we've lost our power as the church, um, because, again, that, that's that's what people really... Uh, D. James Kennedy wrote a wonderful book before he died, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And it outlines hmm. kind of the impact of, of Christianity as it moves into a culture and education and health care and women's issues and on and on and on. And And let's hmm. face it, followers of Christ, this faith that we are living is a powerful force for good, and it's changed cultures and countries uh, for the good. And yet we're being attacked. Yeah. It's almost like we're the problem today. Well, wait a minute, you know. Uh, yeah. But, but we've lost our power. We've lost our power, particularly in American culture. Yeah, well, I think well, that's another discussion, right? I think we, you know, we got involved in politics and we gave up a lot of that power when we did that. And yep. uh, that that was a huge mistake um, because now we can't speak into the culture anymore. We, we're the mm-hmm. church, and you know the church should be countercultural, but we yes. we became part of the culture, and uh, yeah. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's another book, John. That's another book you can write. That's another book. Yeah. <laughs> but now, now, oh gosh, time is flying by here. I want to hear what you're doing now. Some somehow you switched from from. Students to CEOs, you know, that's a big jump. Tell us us about that. (laughs) Well, in a a nutshell, John, as I said earlier, I I was president of of a Christian college in Phoenix for 15 years, and I kind of woke up. I was realizing then I was was moving towards 60 real fast, and I said, man, if I'm going to make a change – I better do it pretty soon because once you're over 60, you know, people kind of look at you like, well, <laughs> are you still alive? Um, and, I, and, and as I said earlier, too, I, I was tired of just asking for money all the time. That was a, a big role as a, as a uh, president. And yeah. and I did that well, I think, and I, you know, the college benefited through uh, what I had done, but it yeah, they was time did. for a change. So, mm-hmm. so um, you know, the chairman of my board was the CEO of a large corporation, uh, and he was part of this group of CEO forum that started originally in focus on the family 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he approached me and said, hey, they're looking for somebody to work for CEO. So for the long and the short of it, we interviewed and, and God opened the door. And it has been it has been a hoot. I am so honored to <laughs> to do what I do, to love and pray for and interact with a Christian CEOs at, at the highest level in business in America. Wow. Well, t- tell us yeah. some more about that. What is it? What does it mean? How does it work out? You know, what's what's well, the forum I, all about? This this goes back to worldview, John. Um, I, I think the church is <laughs> is blown it here too. And, and again, we're not yeah. banging on the church tonight. The church is Jesus Christ died and set up this thing called the church so that it could impact the world. The church is to be a place of teaching and edification and, and encouragement, and then to go out into the world and impact it. And, and we've yeah. been talking about how we've kind of pulled away from the world, and right. we've made our own little enclaves of, of Christianity, which again is not what Christ wanted in the first place. So, it, when you go, to, if CEO goes to a church, typically he's going to hear often today negative things about if you're a wealthy person or if you're a, 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 a powerful person. Mm. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. talk an awful lot in the church about living your faith in the marketplace. Uh, we, in fact, in, in fact, there's kind of a dichotomy: nope. the secular and the mm-hmm. sacred, right? We, and, and that's very right. powerful yet today. So our mission is to challenge uh, these wonderful leaders that we work with to be um, uh, kingdom advancers uh, in the marketplace. God has placed them in very strategic, high roles in uh, the business world. Now, here's the other thing that's exciting. Most people aren't waking up on Sunday morning. Mr. You know, Jim isn't waking up and saying, Sarah, we know to go to church today. They're not doing that. I mean, uh, at least that's mm-hmm. not been my experience. Someone has mm-hmm. to interact with them, uh, invite them to church or live their faith. Well, where better than in the marketplace where you spend most of your life? Mm-hmm. So marketplace ministry, um, Dr. David Miller is a Princeton professor wrote a wonderful book called God at Work. If any of your listeners are interested in reading more about the marketplace ministry world, um, Princeton University has a division, a department that that studies and teaches about uh, God and and work. 
Um, no kidding. And Dr. David, Dr. David Miller is a member of the forum and just a dear, dear brother in the Lord, and you know, PhD and and all the good stuff. But he was in the he was in the business world for a while in London, and and God just laid it upon his heart uh, for this marketplace ministry. Uh, another name that some of our listeners might know is Henry Blackaby, uh, experiencing God. Yeah. And he's written uh, quite a bit about the marketplace because Henry believes that the next um, the next revival uh, could well mm-hmm. could well happen in the marketplace through business leaders. It, it's typically happened mm-hmm. in colleges and universities, but he believes if God's spirit moves again, it, it's going to be through the marketplace. So that's cool. our role to, to challenge these people to live out their faith uh, in the marketplace, and it, it's pretty cool to watch light bulbs come on. Uh, frankly. Mm. <laughs> it, um, I, I unfortunately I've I've got a detail mind, so I, I'm trying to f- see how this works. Can you give us just a little idea of how that happens? Um, how many people have yeah. involved, and, and how does it yeah. work? Yeah, uh, there are over 200 members of the forum right now, and and uh, mm-hmm. criteria to join uh, naturally a person of faith, but running a company of a certain size, and I'm not going to share that on. On the listeners, but mm-hmm. it's it's a very substantial size, and because we've kind of set that criteria of larger companies, we literally mm-hmm. are we have the privilege of working with some of the largest fortune companies in America, and it's amazing wow. how God places people of faith in corporate America, and then our role is to t- again, as I said, to challenge them to live that out. So we've developed a curriculum called the Spiritual Leadership Institute. It's a three-year uh, program there's mentoring involved in it or discipleship in it and uh, it challenges them to kind of live out their faith they're discipled by another leader who's gone through that program who's in the business world so they're able to talk mm-hmm. the same language um, the other thing is uh, that each of them are assigned a, a staff member such as myself uh, and we regularly contact them to encourage them to pray for them to to uh, disciple them, to really whatever they they feel they need to encourage them to live out their faith, and because I mean, John, imagine you're running a multi-billion-dollar international company. How many people, direct mm-hmm. reports or, or the like, can you talk to about your faith, about personal issues, and feel you have a confidant? Uh, it's a huge role that we play there in in their mm-hmm. lives of loving on them, praying for them, and. Um, mm-hmm. it, what what a ministry what an idea what a concept and and then they take these ideas and they say okay how do i live out my my faith in the marketplace some of them hire uh, uh chaplains from corporate chaplains of america for example in atlanta huh. uh, they they are specifically tra- they're uh, seminary trained people they're specifically trained in what they can and cannot do in the marketplace um, mm-hmm. Others of our people uh, are, are setting up Bible studies in their place. Others have set up funds that if everybody, uh, one one place in, in Houston, uh, one company, uh, he gives them all the regular vacation, but then he adds an extra week to do missional work. Now, mm. you don't have to be a cool. Christian. Anything that's, yeah. anything that's a passion. Yeah. And then they set up a fund to help pay your transportation and ancillary expenses to do that mission work. And it has exploded opportunities to talk about belief, the four questions in that company. So these are just some of the ideas that, that these these leaders spin off as they consider how to live out their faith in the marketplace. Wow, that's great. Now, what I was reading on the website a little bit about the forums. That's like you have well, like we we, every, we do what, not what have we do not have a pub we do not have a public web website so if you were reading something you were reading another CEO forum uh oh. our our website really is is uh Uh-oh. not encrypted but it's got a it's got a, a password to get into it because it's I primarily used for our people to interact with one another so um sorry you got the wrong website okay, <laughs> okay so it sounds like your thing is much more um grassroots relational um yeah. Is that right? Hundred percent across the board. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Wow. We we don't That's advertise great. for members. It's all word of mouth. Um, and uh, it's it, as I say, it's it's an ex- it's probably the most exciting ministry I've had in my life, uh, John. And it's mm. it's just opened my eyes to the opportunities in the marketplace to live out your faith boldly. Uh, and it's probably the last place that we can uh, in, in the culture today. Um, yeah, you know the media world, pop culture has pretty much been lost. 
Um, higher mm-hmm. education has been pretty much lost. <laughs> Politics mm-hmm. pretty much lost. But the business world still there, there's still a real openness to uh, how how can you help your employees be the best that they possibly can. And study after mm-hmm. study after study is coming out showing that allowing them to exercise their beliefs, their worldview, whatever that might mm-hmm. be, is a very cool. very helpful mm-hmm. thing. So uh, wow. we just happen to be wow. encouraging the Christian worldview, naturally. Yeah, yeah. That that harkened back a little bit to what Oz Guinness talked to us about, what he calls soul freedom, that uh, we got to allow everybody to have. Uh, regardless of what they believe. Um, that's very cool. Well, uh, you know, our, our time is kind of coming short here. Can you, <laughs> I, I'm thinking as you're, you know, as you're talking to these guys, they're out in the world, try and work this down. You know, there, there aren't many CEOs probably listening to us right now. They're the, these are, these are, the, we're the regular folks that do whatever we do. Um, how does this work to, to, for us? Um, what would you say to us in terms of maintaining our Christian faith in the marketplace, where we work, where we live, in our neighborhoods? Where we're, I know that's a huge question, but, but maybe, <laughs> a key, key, maybe a couple things that will key into your mind that you might be thinking about. In fact, I'm so passionate about this, John, I could go on and on and on, which I know I don't have time, but but two places. Two places. Um, number one, uh, I'm a seminary grad. I, I've been in ministry my whole life. I've taught Bible and theology and world religions, and and yet too long in my life did I overlook John 15, the first ten verses. And you know the passage. You know the the the, the true vine. My father's the gardener. He, he cuts every mm-hmm. branch that bears no fruit. Read that passage, listeners. It is one of the most powerful, meaningful passages in the New Testament. It's this whole this whole idea of abiding means simply to be in proximity with. If if hmm. we as followers of Christ consciously stay in connection with Christ through His Word, through prayer, through encouragement and fellowship with other like-minded believers, there, there's a strength in that. There's a purpose in that. Brother Lawrence, uh, you know, years ago, years ago, uh, wanted to live his life in, in, in 24/7 in, in connected with the Father in prayer. Well, that's a great goal, isn't it? So mm. abiding, I, I just can't overemphasize mm-hmm. that. You start the day with a few moments reflecting upon God's Word in prayer and asking this Holy Spirit to guide and lead you. It's amazing mm. what your how the difference in your day, rather than rushing off. And, and this is a huge one with our CEOs because they're so type A driven, get it done people. Yeah. That when when yeah. they finally do slow down and and invite the Father into their lives, it's a powerful change. The other passage wow. is Second Corinthians. The other passage is Second Corinthians three. Uh, I don't know about you, but I tell you, the Corinth church was a mess, just like so many churches mm-hmm. today. And having been to Corinth, you know, you look up on the hill and you, you see the uh, the Temple of Aphrodite and the thousand temple prostitutes. I mean, talk about a tough church plant, John, right in the middle of that, <laughs> that, that yeah. godless culture. Uh, Paul writes to these uh, precious brothers, you yourselves are letters. Chapter 3, uh, 2 Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter 3, verse 2. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. In a nutshell, what Paul's saying to these these brothers and sisters, be living letters. In other words, Mm. most of the people that are around you will never pick up a Bible, they'll never read a verse, but they will read your life, your words, your motive, your work ethic, your love. Be living letters, brothers and sisters. This world desperately mm. needs to see us living our faith authentically. It is very appealing when it's lived with authenticity. People go, wow, what, what is it about you <laughs> that's different? And wow. As yeah. it says in Peter, a reason for the hope that's within you. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. So living we letters and abide, there, there are the two, <laughs> two ideas as we close. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic, Brent. And that's... <laughs> That is uh, that's perfect, and you picked one of my favorite passages in Second Corinthians. So uh, 
That's really. perfect. You're, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we talk, we we call that the new new covenant, uh, the new covenant ministry. And uh, you know, I keep teaching that all the time in terms of, in terms of the fact that we are simply the place, we're the vessel where the where the where the work goes on. And in order for the power to be seen, uh, we have to be seen. It's not we, there's nothing to hide. We have to be no veils. We're transparent. You know, and uh, people see the whole thing. They see the struggles, but they also see the hope. And uh, uh, that's so cool. Well, Well, and John, John, too, just a couple chapters later, if I might, uh, another passage that's so powerful in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, going uh, by verse 16 and following. uh, We we are called to be ambassadors of Christ and to reconcile Mm. the world to God. And are we doing that? How do we do that? by being hateful and ugly and mean-spirited mm. rather than loving mm. and patient and kind and serving. I mean, this is this is cool stuff we're talking about. And as as we live this out, it, it's a powerful moving force across the, the, the nation. Wow. Wow, it sure is. Well, Brent, fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us. My uh, joy. This has been this has been great and uh we'll be praying for you and uh your ministry with CEOs i'm so excited it's kind of you must feel like you're kind of uh, under the radar out there um yeah. probably a little bit does it feel like that <laughs> yeah i it's it's a low key i mean it's uh it's, it's not about great. us and and i like that mm-hmm. um uh i i want to our goal is to minister to the lives of these leaders uh god has positioned them in special places we want to come alongside uh and encourage them in their faith that's great yeah. well i'm glad and really glad god put put you there i'm i'm glad that i know you and uh pray god's blessing on you thank thank you very much brent john blessings yeah. to you uh this Here's, christmas season thank you thank the honor of being interviewed and and merry christmas yeah. thank you john <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> Yeah. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 